Comedia family, Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Comedia podcast, where I serve a Comedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is John Dickinson. John is an award-winning motion graphics designer, trainer, and a presenter specializing in After Effects and Cinema 4D. John has been a teacher and an active contributor to the motion graphics community for over two decades through his website, motionworks.net. John, welcome to the show. Feel free to fill in the gaps from the intro and tell us a little about yourself. Thank you. I think you covered it all, actually. <laughs> all right, right on. You know, John, I was watching your No 2017 presentation on Vimeo, which, by the way, was very good. You did a great job, as always, Thank of you. course. Thank you. I'm always, when I'm when I, when I I'm asked to do presentations, I'm always trying to find something, you know, find an interesting approach. And speaking of an interesting approach, I thought it was pretty cool how all of your slides were in After Effects. Now, I'm guessing you're not a big fan of PowerPoint, are you? Well, PowerPoint's a necessary evil. I have to say that I've um, <laughs> I've done my, my fair share of actually paid projects where the final delivery is in PowerPoint. And uh, I have nothing against PowerPoint, but uh, when I did that presentation, it was far more convenient just to be in After Effects. So why not just put your, your slides in After Effects as well? Right. May as well, right? And you know what? That was really cool because it got my attention. I was like, whoa, that's a great attention getter just from the get-go because I was like, wow, okay, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I got a few laughs from the audience as well. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, I will have to, I hope there's no copyright on that one. <laughs> we'll have to steal that idea from you. That was really I, sweet. I, I, I probably stole it from somebody else, so. <laughs> well, let's start from the very beginning. How did you get started in motion graphics, Cinema 4D? Just walk me through it. How, where did it start for you? Well, I started in desktop publishing. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I started back in the early 90s. I was working for my brother in, in corporate, and he was uh, in doing, doing sales training. And I was literally using Microsoft Word on a, on a very early Macintosh to, to, to write and format handouts for the, um, the people who attended his seminars. And that was in Microsoft Word. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. So I, I paid for myself to do a desktop publishing course and learn Quirk Express and Photoshop and Illustrator. And we're talking early versions of this software. And that was in the very, very early 90s. After that, I moved into multimedia because I'm not sure. I guess you, you, you must remember that in the early 90s, um, CD-ROM and multimedia was the, was the hot thing, right? Oh, yeah, of course. And um, nonlinear video editing was pretty new. It still, there still was. I mean, I, I did a video training course back then, and I did it. It was all linear. It was tape to tape. And this was just as nonlinear video editing was, uh, was starting to sort of take off. But it was still very expensive, MIDI 100, Avid Express. We spent tens of thousands of dollars getting an Avid Express on a Macintosh. So we could do training videos for these for these seminars, and uh, that introduced me to After Effects because it was what version three back then, and there wasn't really much else around for adding sort of motion graphics to video. And I looked at it, looked exciting, and uh, that training led me to Cinema 4D, and uh, you know the rest is history. That's pretty cool. And look at you now doing really well, speaking at all these amazing conferences, influencing the next generation of motion graphics designers. Not bad, John. Not bad. Well, I've been speaking about After Effects for a long time. You know, I actually was teaching After Effects in the college that I did desktop publishing because I went back there after I finished the course and I'd done some After Effects and I showed them some of the work that I've been doing just out of interest because just, you know, you stay in touch with, with, um, with the school. And I was asked that I was asked right there, would I be interested in teaching? 
Uh, and I wasn't uncomfortable with that because I, I've taught before, actually taught martial arts. I hadn't <laughs> taught anything else, but I was in com- comfortable in front of an audience. And uh, I started teaching there. And, you know, then that really is where that really sort of led to the website and very early tutorials. When I, when I started this sort of stuff, there wasn't any online training. There wasn't online tutorials. The training was all, you know, Brian Maffitt's total training, dozens of VHS videotapes. But I got into sort of training online, got motion works going. And uh, I've always felt that it's fun to share the journey as you're doing it, um, partly because it gets people understanding what you're capable of, but also because it shows you where your limitations are. And I have no problem doing a tutorial with what I currently know on a particular topic, expecting that someone's going to come back and say, hey, did you know there's a better way to do it? And that regularly happens, you know, and that's a great way to learn. Get out there and you know, teach and learn. I totally agree with that. And Sergey and I, my much my brother, we grew up playing soccer. And I say this all the time. We had a coach who encouraged us. We were not doing well previous, like a season before. And the, he told us for the summer break, he said, listen, if you want to become a better player, you best take some coaching courses and it will make you a better player because you will have a different perspective on the game from a coaching point of view. And that sounded interesting. And you know what? We took those courses and that year, next year, Sergey and I had school records and it really did help us become much better because you can't teach something that you don't understand 100%. Well, that's right. And you have to, when you have to, when you learn how to teach it, you really have to analyze the topic and you have to really understand the topic. I did a bunch of tutorials uh, for Red Giant Software years ago. This is way before they had their own um, training team. Uh, shout out to Aaron Rabinowitz and Harry Frank. I, I was asked, uh, to create some training videos of software I'd never used before. And I've done this before, but in order to do that, I really had to sort of research the software and, and, and learn how to use it. And some of it was complicated. And I, and I think one of the things that I've been capable of doing over the years is taking a complicated subject and simplifying it, you know, making it easier to understand. And not just in the way, you know, not just in the, the parts or the, the techniques that I teach, but also in the way that I present. You know, the, the, the language that you use. When, I don't know, when I very first started learning 3D, way, way back, and I got into After Effects, but 3D was kind of separate. Um, you either did sort of motion graphics or 3D. There wasn't a lot of combination like there is now. You really have to learn both. But back then, 3D training was complicated. It was, it was all technical jargon. And uh, shout out to Nick Campbell from Grayscale Gorilla for someone to to make 3D and complicated subjects accessible. And I think that's it's a great way to be, to be able to teach a difficult subject and for people to really get it, you know, and not have to sort of dig through the jargon to try and find out how this relates to the real world and, and how to use these, um, these techniques, you know, in the real world. And speaking of complicated subjects, topics, and, you know... Expressions, for example, we just, Sergey just finished working on the expression, our very first expressions course. It was like six, yeah. six hours. I'm telling you, I, I haven't seen Sergey cry in a long time, <laughs> but I almost saw him cry working on this course. It took him like months to make it. He would, he almost gave up like halfway through it because it was just so complicated trying to simplify things. So hats off to you for tackling very complicated things and trying to make them simple because I know everyone thinks that it's so easy to make a tutorial until they make one, right? Well, <laughs> everyone, everyone, how much everyone, everyone can make a crap tutorial. 
Right. Um, there's plenty of crap tutorials out there. I mean, hats off to anyone who gives a tutorial a try. I'm not uh, judging anyone. But right. It does take a little bit more work to create a tutorial that's effective. I find a lot of tutorials are way too long. You know, I mean, it's okay if you're doing a walkthrough. Some of the stuff I've been doing recently is just walking through some techniques that, you know, I've new techniques to me that I've been learning. And I have to say that a lot of it's for me to have a have a recording of, of the techniques so that when I try it next time, I can look at my tutorial <laughs> and remember what I did. So it's kind of like, a, you know, a, um, a reference library for myself, but it's fun to share with other people. But I think a lot of tutorials, if you speak, if you want to teach something specific, there's a lot of stuff you can cut out and just cut to the chase. And I'm not a big fan of comedy. There's a very few people who can do comedy well in tutorials. And I'm not a big fan of, you know, just a lot of, I don't even put music in an intro to my tutorials anymore. It's just like, get to the point uh, and, uh, and be clear and um, don't, don't waffle. You know, it's, it's so true because some of our best tutorials that we have on our YouTube channel are the ones that, you know, like 30 tips and tricks and after effects that you never heard of or those kinds of things where right away you just jump to the, you know, here's, you know, first one, second one, third one. So, so it seems like people just want to get to the point. They want to get information now. They want to get better at what they do and whatever they can take in that will be quicker, they'll go for it. So I feel like the attention span is getting shorter and shorter as we go on in this uh, a highly saturated social media YouTube world. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And there's so much training out there. I mean, I'm, I'm learning um, uh, Redshift at the moment and uh, I'm using it in some projects and, it, and I'm starting to get more and more comfortable with it. But, you know, there's a good community to ask, but also there's so much training out there and it's great to be able to find what you need. And, and a lot of the time you need something very specific it's okay to watch a long, long, you know, one and a half hour tutorial if you have the time. But often you're in the middle of a project, you're looking to do something very specific. Like I was looking to do, you know, random colors on an object, just, just on, a, on a fractured object in Redshift. And I know how to do that in, in Cinema 4D, but I wasn't sure how to do it in Redshift. And I went straight there. You know, I went straight to the tutorial, um, asked a few people on Slack and, uh, was able to get exactly what I wanted. And it's so great to have that kind of library of information out there. People are, young people getting into the industry now are really spoiled for um, for information. That's true. Back in the day, we had to use dial-up to get, I remember those days, uh, you know, just even, even an update for After Effects would take forever to do. And now everything's so instantaneous. It's just amazing. It's great. Well, let's go ahead and dive into your journey. I'm, I'm curious to find out, because I know you've been freelancing now, and uh, I'd yeah. love to find out uh, you know, how, how that is going. And uh, I want to start with something negative. Share one painful personal failure as an artist while freelancing. I've only been freelancing for a couple of years. Um, uh, I never really, I don't I haven't, haven't had anything painful happen to me as a freelancer. Uh, I've read a few notes because I know you gave me these questions in advance. And uh, uh, I did think that, and I know a lot of people are going to think this. I mean, clients are so important as a freelancer and it's important to develop a good client base having a client base that, you know, trusts you and you like working with and you enjoy the journey. Working with difficult clients and clients that make the job difficult, add friction to a project. You know, when you, for example, when you're not dealing with a decision maker, you're getting design approval, but you're not actually dealing with the decision maker. Those kind of things make freelancing difficult because obviously you have limited time for a project and you can't afford to blow you know, your, your, your um, time 
out too far because it starts to cost you money. A job that you plan to make a certain amount per hour, suddenly it becomes less and less the more hours you do. And if a client's giving you bad decisions or not giving you the correct decisions or correct guidance, that can make a job blow out really well. And I don't know if there's any real way around that. I think you have to get really good at questioning and really good at planning and and setting contingencies when you're preparing for projects. You know, if if you've reached this approval stage, then, you know, it's, it's locked in. If you make changes, then it, it's going to cost you this amount, that kind of stuff. It just, I think it definitely is a skill, not, a, not only being a good freelancer, but, you know, a, a good technician, but being a good at freelancing. I think freelancing is, uh, it takes a bit of practice just to, to get good at that skill. No, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I learned my English waiting tables in the United States. I figured, you know, I've always heard people say that, hey, if you want to learn something, put yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that's the quickest way to learn, right? And so I thought, what can I do that would force me to learn English quicker? So I thought, huh, waiting tables, you kind of forced to speak, right? You're like public speaking all day long. Mm. And, you know, that's something I learned in in the waiting tables that communication, which could be related to any kind of business freelancing communication is key. If you see that the kitchen is kind of slowing down, somebody messed up on the order and there's like a backup in the kitchen. If you come up to your customers right away and tell them, it's like, Hey, listen, there's been, there's a little bit of delay, but I'll keep you updated. Here's some, you know, here's some drinks. Here's a little more. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So you prepare them so they know, but you don't just surprise them. Like, you know, they're like, where's our server? We haven't seen them. I used to hide. They're like, I'm scared to tell them. I'm scared to tell them. But you know, don't wait till the deadline, you know, until the day it's something's due to tell them that something's wrong. As much as it hurts, you got to tell them right away. So that was my lesson that I learned waiting on tables. (laughs) Yeah. You need to to be great at customer service in freelancing. I think, uh, and that also, it reminds me of um, a recent project. I was asked to do a particular project and you always got to sort of balk and just take a moment when, when the client says it's kind of, you know, However, however long you need, you give you give them your daily rate, and it's like, okay, that's your daily rate, and you can't go on for weeks and weeks at your daily rate without giving the client some idea regularly throughout the project. This is how much you've spent, because you you just know that at the end of it, it's going to be a train wreck when you give them that massive invoice, and they're going to go, what the hell is this? <laughs> if you've got a paper trail, email trail of uh, you know record of this is where I said that this is how much you spent, this is where I said this is how much you spent, then you're, then you're covered. So I think not only is it important to keep the client up to date and you know they can bail from the project when they run out of budget, but it's also important for covering your ass at the end. True. And you, you brought up something, you know, the money, invoices and stuff. That's something that most creatives struggle with, myself included. That's something I struggle with. That's why I'm no longer in the freelance world. So you, you, what, you struggle You struggle sending invoices or you just don't get around to it? Or? Well, I've always felt like I underpriced myself. I just was terrible at negotiation, you know, trying to negotiate a proper price for, you know, like day rate, hourly rate. And I always felt like, because, you know, you get to know someone, you you, you kind of work with them on the project or trying to figure out what they, what they want out of you. And then you become good friends and then you kind of have this, you feel bad pricing them a certain way. And I've always felt like I fell into that trap. So do you have any tips, uh, techniques, anything that uh, I guess uh, I can take to become a better free? Uh, don't, don't do work for friends. Don't do work for friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got business is business. Uh, you're a professional. And 
you know, it, it takes a long time to learn what we do and become good at it. Obviously, you know, I think one thing I learned a long time ago, it's either free or fee. Do it for free or pay for it. Okay. Just, you can't, you can't just, there's no mates rates. And do you, how do you collect payments? Do you do like 50% before the project? Well, that's actually an excellent point. Uh, I think 50% is a great idea. I think it's important to go on a case by case. I think with a small project, you know, if I'm doing something, it's going to take me half an hour and it's a couple of hundred dollars or whatever. Um, I don't need 50%, 50% up front, but if I'm doing, you know, a $10,000 job with a new client, then you pretty really, you know, you really want to think about getting 50% up front because then my, my terms are immediate. Once I finish the job, I expect payment, um, but that never happens. And, you know, when it gets up to, you know, the end of the following month that, that a client will pay, you do a job in, you know, beginning of um, July and you don't get paid till the end of August, it kills your cash flow as a freelancer. So it's important to, understand cash flow that's another that's another whole discussion but uh right. you want to make sure that if it's a new client and it's a big job that you, you know you at least get 50 percent up front that way you're halfway through the project but you're you know you're closer to getting that first payment now you're you're also a family man how many kids do you have i have two kids 14 and 10 Wow, I also have two kids, but mine are like five and two. <laughs> I'm way behind. Now, how do you balance work and personal life? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a constant. That, that's a constant challenge. I mean, I spend as much time with my family as I can, and it's important that when you're with them, you're with them. You know, when you're with your when you're with your family, you don't want to be on the phone. You don't want to be on social media. When you're with your kids, you want to be with your kids. And I think that's important. I think quality is important. Sometimes it can't always be quantity. It's, it's a predicament because I obviously love what I do. And I love to sit in front of the computer and challenge myself and improve it at what I'm doing. I mean, I've been practicing and um, doing modeling in Cinema 4D for the last you know, two and a half years. And I'm getting much better at it. I'm getting a lot more paid work as a modeler now. And that's, that's the direction that I really want to take. And I am taking but it's difficult to, to sort of pull yourself away from that when you want to practice every day. I just think you've got to set yourself boundaries. If I start in the morning at a regular time that I finish at a regular time, not just stay in front of the computer from, you know, six to nine or whatever, get, get off the computer at six and spend time with the family. And then everyone's settled doing their own thing. Then you can go back to it. Um, but I just think important, it's important to, when you're not doing it, just and you're with somebody else, just focus on them. No, it's so true. And it's something I'm still learning. It's definitely a struggle. But I, you know, I think it's important to schedule things in. Like if it's not on the calendar, it will never happen. I always say my wife is my wisdom. And that's something that she was just like, look, <laughs> let's just schedule personal time with, let's say my boy's Ash. He's, one is Ashton. The other one is Elliot. And he's like, so Tuesday will be your personal time with Ashton. You know, Thursday will be your, per so just pretty much divide the week. And that way, I don't know, it seems to work really well for our family. We work in a date, we work in person. I get a personal time for myself. My wife gets personal time. And so that's the only way that I've been able to achieve balance. But it's still not perfect, but it's better than what I had before. Yeah, it's it's, it's important, a struggle. It's really important. I mean, I saw a great, um, and it was a meme or something a while back, and it was um, a father speaking to his son. And the son was saying, Hey, dad, let's go out and play ball. And the dad says, You know, later, son, later. And then cut 
to, you know, however many years later, and the father's coming up to the son. Hey, son, do you want to do something together? And the son's going, later, dad. You know, later, I'm busy. So, we, you know, we train our children. And uh, the more time we give for them, then um, that'll come back later when, uh, you know, when we're older and they're older. Wow. I can't wait to go hang out with my kids after listening to this. No, Did but it's so true. <laughs> I feel like my, my son just walked in like twice today. He's like, dad, can we go play? And I'm like, oh, I'm preparing for this interview. Dad, can we go play? So I'm like, uh, now I feel guilty. <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's bad. You have to really, you have to, you have to, I mean, when, you, when, you're, when your kids start saying to, saying to you, uh, dad always, dad's always busy or dad, dad always says no. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear, dad always makes time for me. And I think I, I, something I learned also is that, Kids understand, kids are smart, and they can see you're busy. But if they see that you're busy and then you make time for them, it really leaves a really positive impression. So that's what, something worth um, keeping in mind. Well, I'll definitely do more of that because my kids are young right now. I still feel like there's a lot of time for me to improve and, and, and correct things. So that way, you know, I don't become that meme that you were talking about. <laughs> that would be terrible. Yeah, but quickly, be careful. That's true. Now, what is the best advice you've received in this industry? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I mean, there's, there's all the classic stuff, you know, don't copy tutorials, don't mimic other people's work, blah, blah, blah. Um, the best advice I ever received was as an apprentice hairdresser. I was a first-year apprentice hairdresser. Oh, I just really? left, I just left school, and this was the early 80s, and uh, I – was um, I, I, I kind of liked hairdressing, but I wasn't really focused. And uh, I guess I must have been playing around and on the on the on the salon floor or whatever, mucking around. And I got pulled aside, and one of the hairdressers that I respected, he was a very talented hairdresser. Um, he said to me, "You need to be consistent. Okay, you, you know you're, you're good sometimes, but you're not consistent." And I never forgot that. Never forgot that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, you know, I, I guess I try and relate that to everything that I do with my, with my work. It's okay to do great jobs, but it's no good if you only do great jobs now and then and the rest of the time is bad. Or it's okay if you treat this customer really well and have great communication, but then it all falls down with the next customer. You know what I mean? You need to be consistent across all of those things. So consistency, I think, is one of the most important things that I, that I learned. That's so true. And consistency, you know, I feel like I'm consistently inconsistent sometimes. <laughs> but consistency <laughs> is so vital, even for relationships. You know, you can make somebody very insecure in marriage if you're very inconsistent. Yeah. One day you're one way. So, yeah, consistency, I feel like whoever's consistent, the, the longest wins. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, having said that, you want to be doing things that you enjoy. Right. It's very difficult to be consistently doing stuff you hate. <laughs> now you mentioned something just earlier about copying tutorials. I'm curious, did anyone? Because you've been you've been doing tutorials for such a long time. Did anyone ever copied your tutorials and didn't give you the credit for it? Oh, probably. I don't take that too personally. I mean, it's it's more you're more likely to see Andrew's, um, you know, Andrew Kramer's tutorials copied, or um, you know, my, my my stuff. I never really sort of with my with my learning, sort of. Andrew's has this knack of creating a really interesting look you know he thinks of a brand new approach to create an interesting look so by the end of tutorial you've got this great look i generally never really did that mine was more about 
you know, general techniques with software. I didn't do it. I haven't done a lot of things where I show from start to finish how to create a specific look. So I think, you know, people would more likely to take my techniques and use them to create whatever they're creating at the time. You know, the reason I bring this up, because this just happened to us not that long ago. I mean, it was like almost word for word, the same stuff. And the sad thing is that his tutorial generated a lot more views than our tutorial, the same tutorial did. And uh, I think my brother commented on his tutorial. was like, oh, great job. And the guy responded, like, hey, thanks to you, you know, or something like that. But he didn't give him the credit in the video or none of that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, but I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I've had people copy my tutorials, actually like re-record things that I've done. I've seen that recently with other people's tutorials. Um, wow. that's, that, that, to me, that's, that's just like, you know, be original, please. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, I, I probably don't want to say the words that I think about that kind of thing. <laughs> and also uh, people, people stealing your tutorials, you know, people stealing your training. Um, that's, that's the that's, uh, to me, that's the lowest of the low. Um, and thanks to everyone out there who actually pays for the training that we sell. We put a lot of work into it and uh, we really appreciate you supporting us. You know, and it's interesting you, you bring that up because I do believe that you reap what you sow. And it's something that I'm practicing and Sergey does too. We're big on, you know, you can watch movies online for free. There are websites, all kinds of websites. And growing up, you know, we were kids. That's what we did. And now I am even, even if I don't care, you know, if somebody sends me a link like, hey, we already paid for it. Go ahead. Now we were so big on, nope, we're going to rent it the proper way. You know, these people worked hard on this video. We're going to pay money for it, even though it's available with the same quality and everything on some website somewhere else for free. But we're going to pay money for it because, you you know, there's something about reaping and sowing that's so true. If you're selling courses, if you're selling products, if you're a businessman and you're not paying for other people's services, you're stealing it, it's just going to come back to you. What are your thoughts that's, on that? Absolutely. And I, yeah, piracy. Um, you want to stop pirating things, create something and go out there and see your stuff pirated and see how you feel. It changes your mindset completely. And I have to add something to that. Um, the lowest of the low is to take someone's product and resell it cheap, mm. more cheaply. And I, there's a guy out there that does that. Um, don't remember his, um, his name at the moment. And um, that is the lowest of the low, to, to steal someone's hard work and make people pay for it. But also don't get sucked into buying, to giving someone money for a product that they didn't create. You don't, you don't own the rights to that product. You don't own the license to that product. You don't own anything. You, you've basically stolen the product and you've paid for it. So um, make sure that when your people, are, uh, viewers out there, listeners out there who are um, buying a product, make sure you're buying it from a legitimate source. That's so true. I haven't encountered with that yet, but I've heard actually Joey Corman, when I interviewed him, he was telling me about a website. I forget it was like a Frenchman. He was telling me about how he used to have like this subscription. I think it was like six bucks a month or something like that. And then eventually he he had course. I can't remember exactly what he had, but eventually he had to shut it down because he was saying how people are stealing his content and publishing it elsewhere. He said, look, this is no longer a profitable business. I'm shutting this down. How unfortunate. Here's a guy who could have, and Joey said, you know, I could have, I could have paid him a hundred dollars a month for the stuff that he was doing. And but it's just so sad that someone was barely taking any money for this and people were just doing terrible things like that. They pretty much ran his business to the ground and that's that's just unfortunate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and for people like you and I who, you know, um, our income depends on the products that we create and what we sell, it can, it can, yeah, it can destroy the business. Totally. 
Now, what are your thoughts uh, on higher education? Do you recommend uh, someone, you know, I always ask this question. I think this is an interesting question to ask in the 21st century now with internet and everything being so available. Is is it still relevant to go to a college, to like a proper university college? Or for well, I never did. Um, I never, I, I, I left high school early. Um, and there's different trains of thought with this. There's people who, uh, you know, brilliant designers out there and very successful people who have done university, you know, have degrees. There's also brilliantly successful designers and motion graphics artists out there who didn't finish school. From my perspective, I don't think I really needed to, but there have been situations where it would have been nice to have a qualification. Um, interestingly, I'm actually, in my spare time, redoing a, a certificate for training and uh, assessment here in Australia so that I can do more formal teaching in colleges. I, I did a course about 17 years ago and had the qualification, but have found out that there's, uh, it's not relevant anymore and I have to redo it. But I'm doing that online in my, in my spare time. So I think, you know, training is important if it's going to further your career, if it's going to push you towards your ultimate goal. Um, I think, you know, it's study and learning just for the sake of it is probably wasteful. No, I agree with that. Another thing I want to know, because I feel like you're a high achiever, obviously, and it seems like everyone has like a routine, a morning routine. And I'm just curious, do you have a morning routine or is it something that you don't subscribe to? Yeah, but I don't think, okay, I'm going to do my routine now. Um, <laughs> I totally ruined your routine because it's like eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> over there, right? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, I would be in front of the computer now anyway. Um, <laughs> so this is what I do. I, you know, I get up, I, <laughs> you want to hear me? This is my very specific routine at the moment. I'm in bed about 10 in the evening and I'm usually up around 6.30 a.m. When I wake up, I drink uh, warm water with apple cider vinegar. I'll let you uh, listeners you know, look up apple cider vinegar and its benefits. I take the dog for a walk and uh, in, in the dog park, I do push-ups and chin-ups every morning and I'll come back, have breakfast, make a coffee, I grind coffee beans and uh, then I'll uh, check all of my uh, Twitter feed. I go through the Twitter feed and I'll favorite any of the things that I think are, uh, you know, I like anything that I think is useful and that I can look through later. I'll respond to my emails, get back to customers. And when I'm having breakfast, I'll watch a tutorial. So I'll have something playing as a tutorial when I'm eating my breakfast. And uh, then I'll hit the computer, and if I'm if I have a project, I'll start working on the project. Although I do tend to spend a little bit of time just doing modeling drills, just to practice, because modeling I don't know if you know, but it just you just got to keep practicing it. And then I'll, I'll then I'll work. And the, the the downside is that sometimes I forget to stand up, and you know I'm getting a sore back at the moment because I'm sitting down too much. And I work till about six, and I'll do some uh, of this training course that I talked to you about and have dinner and then after dinner if i'm not too tired i'll come back and i'll do some more modeling um, so that's my that's my current routine now you mentioned that you watch tutorials and this is kind of perfect for my next question what online resource did, can you recommend us that you find helpful well currently um my tutorial sources are um, you know, youtube obviously and more and more i use youtube and that's a no-brainer i did actually just recently um Resubscribe to uh, what's the website called? Um, it was Digital Tutors. It's a plural site. I resubscribe to them. But the good thing about 
places like lynda.com and Pluralsight and that sort of thing. You can, you, can, you can subscribe for a month, watch a bunch of tutorials, and then you can you know, unsubscribe. But yeah, I got onto Pluralsight and watched a bit of that stuff. I actually, it was interesting because what I did was when I first started learning how to model in cinema, I used a lot of digital tutors and I, I learned a lot. The, the, the Cinema 40 trainer on there is very good. And this was a couple of years ago. And I, I obviously done a lot of practice since then. And now I'm, um, I went back and watched the same tutorials and just to see how much I, you know, how much I'd learned and whether I was, you know, any better at what I did. And uh, this is not criticizing the trainer, but because I've improved at what I did, now I have opinions about whether certain things that are being taught are actually the right way to do things or not. <laughs> so it's funny to, to think, nah, there's a much faster way to do that. When I first watched these tutorials, I was like a babe in the woods. I knew nothing. Right. Um, and that's actually, actually interesting. It's you be careful when you watch tutorials because you might not necessarily be shown the, you know, the best way to do something. But then again, you have to start somewhere. So, my, my last question is, what is, what's next for you and in your future? Do you have any cool projects you're working on? Any courses? Anything you're coming out with in your future? Well, I'll continue to, um, you know, keep motion works going. I did release weight loss for After Effects recently. It's three hours of training. I just uh, sat in front of After Effects and recorded all the things that I do as an After Effects artist, all the things that I do to save time. And that's available on, on Motionworks at the moment. We also also got legendary Tim Clapham, Cinema 4D trainer, to record weight loss for uh, Cinema 4D. And they're both available on Motionworks, worth checking out. As far as currently, um, I'm actually doing a project that involves VR in Cinema 4D and Redshift. So I've had to spend the last you know 10 days really exploring that area. And uh, I have to say, it's really interesting and getting things out of 360 stereo and looking at them through, um, you know, cardboard, Google Cardboard and via.com really opened my eyes to what's possible with that. It's very exciting. So I was really excited to be included in, a, in, a, in that project. Nice. And John, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, through motionworks.net. You can contact me through there or just follow me at motionworks on, um, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, don't be a stranger. Got a question. Uh, I'm here. All right, John. Well, th- listen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being available. You know, it's interesting how people that I always assumed are super busy and would never respond to your email. It's actually the opposite. Everyone that I got on the show that has a large following and been around for a long time are so much faster at responding and actually more available than the people that are not. So hats off to you for, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I think that's probably why. They have a large following because they're responsive. <laughs> there you go. There's something. There's definitely a lot of wisdom in that. Thank you so much, John. Have a great day. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John Dickinson. Make sure to check out John's website, motionworks.net. Again, it's motionworks.net. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 25. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Also, while you're there, check out our shop, ukramedia.com slash shop. We have several products for you. And we have a brand new course on Adobe After Effects Expressions. Check it out. You can go to ukramedia.com slash expressions. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia Podcast. Bye-bye.